0: I'm not a challenged athlete. I said, I'm an athlete with challenges. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference. That's Matt Long, and this is The Rich Roll Podcast.
1: The Rich Roll Podcast. All right, podcast listeners, all you people out there in... Podcast Landia. Greetings. My name is Rich Roll. I am your host. I've been your host since day one. That's why the podcast has my name on it. Welcome to episode 130. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for spreading the word to your friends and on your various social media doodads and widgets. Thank you for subscribing to my newsletter. Thank you for clicking through the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com for all your Amazon purchases. You might have noticed we've got a new website. It's a website that kicks some serious ass. It's amazing. It's a whole new look for what we're doing. I love it. Uh, I'm so proud of it. So many people worked so hard to make it happen for a very long time. It's been a long time in the coming. And I think it's really, uh, it's a visual experience and it's very emblematic of the kind of vibe, the ethos that I'm trying to put out there. So if you haven't checked it out yet, please go there and check it out. But the reason I'm bringing it up right now is because I've gotten a bunch of messages from people on Twitter and email and stuff like that saying, hey, man, Uh, what happened to the Amazon banner ad? I want to support you. Uh, And it's gone. (laughs) So first of all, let's just talk about how somebody reached out to me to tell me they want to support me and I'm making it difficult for them to do that. Like that in and of itself is amazing. So thank you for even being that engaged or interested to reach out to me (laughs) and make that extra effort. Uh, And yes, uh, the Amazon banner ad did move. It's because we have a new iteration of the site, everything moved around. But we have it. It's really not that hard to find. If you go to the main podcast page, click podcast on the home page, it takes you to a main catalog page where you can kind of peruse all the episodes and you will see right below the main image, right below uh there's a paragraph titled Unlock Your Best Self. Right beneath that, you'll see a clickable button that says Support Through Amazon. It's pretty easy to see. In addition, uh on every individual podcast episode blog page, at the very bottom, you will see a banner ad for Amazon. Better yet, just uh, when you click on one of those buttons, copy and paste uh, the URL, save it as a bookmark on your browser. That way, you kind of always have it. It's right there. You don't necessarily have to come to my website, although I encourage you to. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I hope you want to, uh, but you don't have to. Um, I just want to make it easy for everybody. So that's how you do it. Thank you again. It really does help us out a lot. And I really do appreciate all you people out there who have made a practice out of using it. It warms my heart. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. This show. This show is about, if it's about anything, it's about unpacking the tools necessary to live your best life, how to live more authentically, how to vibrate at a higher level, how to be more excellent. And so towards this end, each week, I sit down with the best and the brightest, most forward-thinking, paradigm-busting minds in health, wellness, fitness, sports, nutrition, the arts, and entrepreneurship to tap their experience, to gain some knowledge from them, to garner some insight, to help you and me, because I'm on this journey with you guys, discover, uncover, unlock, and unleash your best most authentic self. I think that's a worthy mission. Hopefully you do too. That's why you tuned in. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel, but what you wear isn't just clothes. It is, without a doubt, technology To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by Birch. If you're serious about optimizing your sleep, listen up. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. Anyway, this week's guest, I'm really excited about this week's guest. Uh, Matt Long, straight up. This guy's a hero. Straight up. New York City firefighter. New York City 9-11 first responder. Ironman athlete. Marathoner. Icon with an incredible story that he comes here today to share with you guys. An incredible story of resilience, of overcoming tremendous obstacles to not only survive, but to accomplish things most people would think beyond the imagination. It breaks down like this. Back in 2005, Matt was a firefighter, New York City firefighter, and like he did every day, he hopped on his bike to ride from his apartment on East 48th Street in Manhattan, up to Randalls Island, uh, where they have a fire academy. And he was helping train some of the city's young, brave uh, new firefighters. And as he came upon the intersection at 52nd Street, he started to cross the street, and a 20-ton bus made a right-hand turn from the middle lane. That bus didn't just hit him. It dragged him underneath, along with his bike. And his bike ended up impaling his body. When Matt woke up in the hospital about a month later, the doctors told him that he was facing a 1% chance of survival. 1%. After 68 units of blood in the first 40 hours post-accident, five months in the hospital, 40 surgeries in two years, Matt did more than survive. He came alive. And the story of Matt's accident and his eventual comeback quest to run the new york city marathon in 2008 just three years after his accident is chronicled in his incredible memoir it's called the long run and for the record this is the second guy to come on my show on this podcast with a book called the long run the first of course if you're a longtime listener you will know is my buddy mishka shubali So, sorry, Mishka, but hey, if somebody writes a book called The Long Run, it's almost a given that they're going to, I guess, come on my podcast and talk about it. But the truth is, is that uh, I've been chasing Matt for a long time. I've always wanted to have him on his show. I think his story is so touching and extraordinary, and he's a guy I've been wanting to meet for years. He's a guy I hold in really high regard as an incredible example of the resiliency of not just the physical body, the fact that he was able to rehabilitate and repair his body enough to run a marathon, but of the incredible resiliency of the emotional body, the resiliency of the spirit. And this is a guy for whom I have a tremendous amount of respect for as an example of someone who has leveraged what many would see as a tragedy, but which he sees as just his experience. He's leveraged this for the benefit and service of other people. And that's amazing He does it through his foundation called the I Will Foundation And through other avenues And anyway, he's a great guy He is a hero This is a great talk I am inspired to know this guy And I'm so happy to now have him in my life This is a good one, people Seriously So let's dig in and check out Matt So you almost burned the building down next door
0: Yes, I did (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> it was fun but
1: uh, I in did. In, uh, in a past life in a past incarnation right
0: yes in a past life
1: what is a what's a typical day look like for you now
0: typical day for me um is waking up at six and taking the dogs out and then tending to my two-year-old yeah so uh, and getting the older ones off to school but uh you know, after nine o'clock everything kind of settles down wife goes to work and um, mm-hmm and i'm back into training or 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 doing what i you know whatever i can for the day
1: Uh uh-huh and uh you know we were talking a little bit um before we started recording about how you know our lives are are very different um they're on they're sort of on different paths but there's these there's sort of common themes and and uh and they intersect in different ways. Like I sort of, you know, created this disaster for myself to have to look in the mirror and kind of change my ways and, and live a different life. And, and you had a, a, you know, a tragic intervening event, but it set you on a different kind of path for your life. And I think that's, that's super interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, you never know what, uh, when you choose the road you're going to take in life, you never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I guess it's an old additive. When I go around talking about it, I just—it's—it's it's what you do after that event that um, that changes who you are.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, something like that—you have two choices, right? It's either gonna—it's gonna crush you, it's gonna break you, or you have an opportunity to learn from it and grow and and share something from that. And you obviously chose the latter, but it's the struggle and the journey towards that choice. I think where. Uh, you know, where, where your message is so powerful.
0: Yeah. You know, and that, and that struggle and that journey, um, was not easy, you Mm -hmm. know, it, um, it's funny. I can go around and talk about it. I can laugh about it. I can make some jokes about different things now, but, um, but those, let's say two years of, um, depression and surgeries and, and, you know, fighting different weaknesses in my body, um, it's, you know, it just felt like it was a, more than two years, like a lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, just, they, like there were multiple, multiple times where I said to myself, I can't, I can't do this.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and, and and you're right. You either just quit and it takes you or you fight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, I'm not, I, I don't think I've had any kind of level of, of success in winning the battle because I'm not who I used to be. And I never will. I'll never run as fast as I did. I, you know, I'll never cycle. I'll never be as strong. Uh, physically as i was but uh but but i'm you know, i'm living my life the best mm-hmm. i can and, and that's there's no there's no no beating that
1: well i think if you if you take a more expansive uh definition of strength you're a stronger person now you may not be able to run as fast as you could but i think in terms of overall strength i would i would characterize you as as now being an extremely strong person
0: you know it's funny we segue to that because uh two of men's fitness fittest men in the world sitting in one room I in mean, the
1: same room at the same time unbelievable <laughs> <laughs>
0: we should call men's fitness and tell them that's right yes uh, rich and Matt are doing a push-up contest right uh, yeah, now. yeah <laughs> right
1: it was uh i think it was you were 2010 yes, that one yes. right were you or was it the every man like hero kind of thing because that's the what they that's how they pigeonholed me into that I think it was the year I was
0: 2009 I was the year before you I think 2010 was me and they they just numbered the amount of surgeries I had and said that's why he's here yeah good man yeah it's cool but I take it and roll with it
1: yeah hey man listen you know what I always say I was like not for one second do I believe that I'm one of the 25 fittest men in the world but that's pretty effective when you're trying to sell a book (laughs) it's like a good tagline absolutely right um But I think, you know, one question that comes to mind, you know, when you're sort of talking about how it was a hard road and and such a struggle, you know, I'm sure people say to you every day, like, oh, you're such an inspiration, you know, thank you for your message and all of that. Like, how do you receive that? Like, when you look back on your, you know, sort of the humanity of of that journey and how difficult it was for you, like, how do you process that?
0: You know, there there are times when, um, and there are times when I get told that and, I embrace it, and I enjoy it, and that is my finish line. That is my sense of accomplishment or my purpose now. Mm -hmm. And and I really, really, you know, I really take something from it, like you were a kid when, you know, they said, wow, what a game you played today, great game, you know, great job today, good effort. And then there are other times when the person delivering it to me is worse off than I was. Mm Mm-hmm and may never walk again or, you know, lost a leg or lost two legs. And they tell me, I've read your story, and you inspire me not to quit, not to give up. And and at that point, I I look at my wife or I look at someone close, and I go, you know, I don't want to be this inspiration. This Mm -hmm. is hard. You know, this is tough because I'm leaving here, and I'm feeling bad for this person. Um, And he's looking at me like, You know, you're my, this is it. I'm pushing because of you. And he may never walk again, Mm -hmm. you know. And I have plenty of friends now because of this journey, two or three that I'm really close with that are still in wheelchairs. And, you know, they let me know that I've inspired them. And I'm never going to tell them not to give up their dreams of walking again. Mm -hmm. I think deep down they may know it, but their inspiration to live a good life came from me not quitting. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I, it's hard. That's, that's the hardest part. That's right. the hardest it, part. When you see someone who, who's overcome it and, and moved on. Awesome. I'm glad I helped you. When you see someone that is worse than I was, it, it's very, very challenging to, mm-hmm. to want to take that role.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How often are you, uh, going out and doing public speaking and, you know, what, what does that look like for you now? I,
0: I've been, uh, I've been traveling about 12, six, 12 to 16 times a year. Wow. So not too bad the last mm-hmm. three years. Um, you know, this is speaking season is coming up, so <laughs> things are rolling around. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I take uh, one, I ha- I do it because I need it for a living now. And um, But I like certain audiences better than others because I, I feel like the message is uh, more received. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoy speaking to college athletes. I really speak to high school athletes at a certain level. My story is pretty gruesome, I think, for younger kids. Mm-hmm. Um. What about veterans? Uh, I haven't spoken to any veteran groups. Oh, that's surprising! Uh, I, would yeah. have, I would have thought that
1: you would be somebody who would be great for that.
0: Yeah, I haven't spoken to any veteran groups. I, I've helped personally or or been involved on this on the background of helping some veterans.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I really enjoy that um, the sacrifice they made, and you know, I mean, I I guess you could say I paralleled it by being a firefighter. I knew there was a chance in life that something really bad could happen to me right. with my profession. I didn't think it would be on a bicycle Get into my work.
1: Yeah. You know. The irony of that is amazing, right? Yeah. Like it just, it happens in, in such a different way than you would have predicted, yep. you know, if it had happened as a result of you doing your job, that's one thing, but the context in which that occurred is so, is so extraordinary. So let's take it back for, for people who may not have read your book or are not familiar with your story. Um, you grew up, bunch of brothers in Brooklyn firefighter like set the stage a little bit
0: yeah okay I'm the second oldest of nine children if uh six brothers and two sisters um yeah I like to joke about it is you know where'd I get my competitive natures the dinner on Friday night you know? uh-huh. mom dad had a small ice cream ball. And mom didn't work how could you work with nine children back in the day so um nine kids. Yeah. so I think dinner on Friday night was like a competitive event first one in gets <laughs> gets the best best uh-huh. meal um that's kind of like a firehouse. Oh, absolutely, you know? absolutely. Um, and so uh, I become a firefighter after college, and um, finding my way in Wall Street really wasn't for me. And I, my dad was like, hey, you know, just take this test uh, in high school. He said, take this test. You need to have a, a backup plan.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm like, ah, you know, when you're 18, you're like, well, who needs a plan? Yeah, I, I don't need a plan, Dad. You know, mm-hmm. just, but you listen to him. I, I took the test, and they called, thank God, because I was, that point was out of work. And... Um, I, and it was like the first time I, in my life. I was like, "Wow, I, I I loved it. I loved the job, and I felt like, wow, without knowing, without really growing up, saying I'm, I was called to be a New York City fireman.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: it became my calling, and I really enjoyed it. Enjoyed going to work every day. It was, it was just unbelievable. However, it took me down this journey, um, that that changed. Uh, Eventually, when I realized it changed the way I operated in life, changed the way I went about my daily routines, Uh, I got overweight, you know, much like your story. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, in the fire department, it's a boys club. Mm -hmm. And every night was a party. I mean, guy got promoted, you had a party. Mm -hmm. Guys retiring, you have a party. You know, guys getting divorced, let's have a party. Right, right. right. (laughs) Plus uh, a bunch of guys making food for themselves. is not
1: going to be on the healthy tip, right? No, no, no.
0: Put another stick of butter in. Yeah. You know, yeah.
1: <laughs> Do you know? Uh, have you ever met Rip Esselstyn? Do you know uh, the Engine Two Diet guy? Oh no, no. I've, turned I've around the fire hot Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Arizona you know. or uh, in, Austin. Yeah, Austin, in Austin?
0: Austin, Austin. Tyson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so anyway, long story short, uh, on, on that bringing my uh, what we're talking about here to to, to time. Um, I started looking, doing this inventory check on my life. That's why I like to talk about it. I, I started, you know, why is my back hurting? Why am mm-hmm. I not as happy going to work anymore? Why am I not doing this?
1: How old were you at that time? Um,
0: about 35, 36. All right. I'm 28 pounds overweight. Um, you know, things are changing in the firehouse. Guys are getting younger, stronger, bigger. Uh, I found Running. Mm-hmm. You know, I was an athlete my whole life, but I found running now. And now I, I, there was nothing that could clear your head better than a 60-minute run in the park. You know, you didn't need anything. You, you know, it wasn't as complicated as it is today. Like, well, you have your goose. What do you have? What, what, do you do? <laughs> right. what, what pills are you using? Yeah. You know, we just went out and ran. And um, Well, it should be that way now anyway, yeah. but that's a different conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. Um <clears throat> So anyway, I, I started getting into endurance sports, triathlons, and, and running and making every race count and all this stuff. And, and lo and behold, um, I started using my bicycle as my means of transportation. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> it was Christmas time, nine years ago, and uh, the New York City Transit Authority decided to go on strike,
1: shut mm-hmm. the city
0: down. Millions of tourists, no one can get around. The city was jam-packed. And I had, I, it was like 18 degrees, I got on my bike, and I wasn't that strong of a person. 18 degrees, I was getting in my car.
1: Right, but <laughs> just to like like hit the pause button here for a second, you're kind of like glossing over the fact that like you weren't just out running and riding your bike. Like you were you were killing it, right? You did you did Ironman like Placid. You qualified for Boston running. Like you were doing very well as an endurance athlete. You weren't just dabbling. Like you were excelling.
0: Yeah, I, I I was excelling. I, I was excelling, and I and I thought I could have done better. Mm-hmm. So I was on a mission, right. right, to to do better. Um, yeah. So this, but this particular day was just transportation, and um, you know, private bus that was hired to get workers past restriction zones in the city. You know, made a wrong turn. This this guy made a judgment call in life that I'm sure he's upset about, um, but he he just. Turned down a block that he shouldn't have turned down. He didn't see me. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, the laws of physics, as it comes to the accident investigators, didn't exist with me. They normally say that in an accident like this, I would have bounced off the bus. And the second impact is what would have killed me.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Instead, I got sucked under the bus. The
1: the bus is is going up. Like Third, Third Avenue, Avenue. It takes a right on 52nd Street and just in your you're there in the bike lane. Yep. And instead of bouncing off, you go underneath the I, bus and get dragged.
0: Got swept under. And yeah, he just kind of mm-hmm. parked on me.
1: Right. And uh, it, all right. So so, you know, do you have memory of, of that happening or what, is it all a blur? It,
0: it's it's a it's a bit of a blur um, over time. Anything that that I've been able to translate to other people has been told to me. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I do remember, and and I have dreams about it all the time. Putting my left hand up in the air as the bus was on my left side, and like kind of reaching up to the like slap the side of the bus. Says no, no, you no, know, stop. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. Um, I do have very vague memories of talking to like again. It's a small city, even though there's eight billion people here.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I knew all the firemen on the east side, so as soon as they pulled my Nomex hood off, and I heard one of the firemen say, "You know, oh my God, it's Maddie Long from forty-three truck." Mm-hmm. I closed my eyes, like almost to say, like I'm in good hands now. Mm-hmm. And that's it. You know, then the next six weeks, I was in a medically induced coma and, you know, not knowing anything.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't just that you know you were in an accident; you were about as close to death as as somebody's going to come.
0: Absolutely. I mean, my doctors say one percent. My, my, I'm still friendly with all my doctors, and and they they when we go out to dinner, like they so calmly brush over what happened to me. I'm like, hey, 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 I'm I'm uh-huh. sitting right here. They're like, you were an academic exercise. I'm uh-huh. like, what? I'm, I'm here. Yeah. They're what like, is oh, that? Sorry. What does that yeah. mean? Uh,
1: Because like it was such an anomaly that you would actually survive. Yeah. I mean, he, he
0: just he just had his residence and his. Interns, or whatever you call them in the medical profession, and he's had them there saying, Okay, what would we do for this guy if he was gonna live?
1: Uh huh. If he was gonna live. If.
0: And they all just, I said, How do you guys do that? I mean, that's like, that's amazing that you can just shut it off and, and do that. I, I, I'm um, blessed and honored that, they, that and, and I feel privileged that I went to the greatest, or what I think is the greatest hospital in the world. But um, how do you, you can't teach that.
1: Well, it's almost an emotional defense mechanism, right? If they're going to be seeing people
0: like every single day, they can't get emotionally invested in it. They yeah. wouldn't be able to function, no. right? Mm-hmm. I agree. On that. And he, one of the things he told me too later on was he goes, I, I'm, I was more concerned about your life, not your quality of life. Mm-hmm. So because, you know, afterwards and I leave the hospital all attached with different tubes and, and things, I was uh, – he was like – I was like, why would you help me so I could live like this? I'm not, I'm not living. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, that's not my problem. My problem right. is to save your life. My job is to save your life. He goes, which we didn't think we'd do. We, you were an academic exercise. We were just going through the motions. And we left the room multiple times to come back thinking you'd be expired. And, you know, your heart rate's going to 28 beats a minute. guy's
1: still alive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> my doctor was a marathon runner. And he, uh, but, you know, he was he's out there doing it, four and a half, five-hour guy. And when he went outside to tell my mom and dad that they're doing the best they can, we have about a 1% chance of survival. Mm. And my mom was like, my mom, stubborn Irish Catholic woman. She, she just said to, uh, <clears throat> the doctor said, Doc, uh, um, he, he asked to survive. And she's like, He's like, I'm sorry? He's like, well, he just qualified for Boston, and I don't know if you run, but that's a really big deal, and he's, he's <laughs> oh, got to run Boston oh, in April. God. And the doctor was like, We'll go back inside. I don't a think you really understand what's going on here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but then but he so, gave me a five percent chance.
1: So 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 mm. run down, you know, the list of
0: injuries. All right, we'll go from the feet up. My uh, my left foot leg from uh, heel to hip broken, compound fractures. All fractures were compound, skinned, open bones out. Tip, fib femur. Um, my right side of the pelvis was shattered. Um, My abdominal wall was torn out of my body by the bike. I was Mm. basically cut open from stem to stern. So from my sternum to my rectum, I was Mm. ripped in half. Um, My right shoulder was crushed, and thank God, no head trauma. You know, thank God, no head trauma. Mm. But but that's pretty. The the bulk of the life-threatening injuries was not the broken bones. It was the bike cutting me from my sternum to my rectum, mm-hmm. severing my femoral artery, um, severing, um, sacral nerves, you know, the, ma- the major pathway through your body, f- f- mind to muscle,
1: right. just cut in half. Right. And, and, uh, <clears throat> and so when you come out of this coma and start to realize the gravity <clears throat> of your circumstance, you know, w- what's going through your head?
0: Um... Uh, You know, I I don't think I realized it at first because I kind of remember the first thing I said to the doctor when I saw him was, when can I go home? Meanwhile, I'm holding... I'm resting my arms on a um, piece of metal that I just thought was like a shelf connected to my bed, and then I realized it was an external fixator holding my pelvis together. Mm. And I realized it was a part of me. Um, And at that point, I I was kind of like, why? You know, why me? And... um, I don't really think that I don't want to start a pity party for myself, and I never really did. Um, maybe I had my own, but um, it was why did I live? You know, not why this happened to me. But, but okay, it, happened, it happens to people all the time. In fact, we could be sitting here now, and something could be happening on the west side of the city, you know. Mm-hmm. But why am I still here? Why am I left to go through this, mm-hmm. you know, 42 surgeries? Now, why, why? And that... Is something that just I played out in my head over and over and over again. Like, what did I do? What? 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 Why am I deserving of this?
1: Mm-hmm. Like on some karmic level.
0: <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I just I just couldn't figure it out, and, and I wanted to, but I couldn't.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you've answered that question for yourself now?
0: Well, I I think, <clears throat> yeah, I, I I know what the answer would be. We would reaffirm, be yeah. I I, <laughs> I I think that. When I look back at my life, all the things I've been through, um, you know, I was rolling around life through the motions. You know, was I successful? Yes. In some people's eyes, I was. I was a fireman. I owned two or three bars and restaurants in Manhattan. Um, I was single. So, you know, dating wasn't a problem. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was a problem. Maybe I did it too much. I don't know. But, uh, (laughs) But so,
1: yeah. I got but, some of your ex girlfriends outside. Oh, here, uh, gonna we're gonna bring in? them in. Yeah,
0: <laughs> behind, behind <laughs> curtain, I'll, I'll take curtain number one, please. <laughs> yeah. um, so, but I, I think that I started to really fun, trying to think back and like, well, why? What was I doing? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if if it had ended, what would they have said about me?
1: Mm-hmm. What what is your what would your legacy have been?
0: Yeah, and I don't think it would have been much. You know, he was a good time guy.
1: Mm-hmm. Don't, everybody, you know, everybody loved Maddie.
0: Yeah, and now post accident, I'm fortunate enough that I had this. You know, b- by by no means do I think I did this on my own. Okay, I had a support group. I had tremendous family, fire department family, and and was touched with r- written letters or emails from around the world. How my this little fireman story, you know, of, of don't give up spread helped me not quit and. For some reason, going through the endurance world and, 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 you know, pushing myself for Ironman and to get fast enough for Boston, um, I, I built strength to not quit mm-hmm. this journey. And now it's, it, it's funny is I, I'll go talk and, uh, and I'll talk to 250 people and there's Q&A and no one raises their hands. And then I said, so it's okay. I said, I'm going to be in the elevator and mm-hmm. someone's going to come in going, oh, I you can't, I can't, I can't tell me. I, I got to tell you something. And I'm like, well, why didn't you raise your hand? Uh, you know, and I helped them. But uh, now. This is
1: a very personal thing. You yeah. know, it's, I think it taps into people's fears and and, you know, Makes them question what their own life trajectory is all about, and that's something that most people are not comfortable discussing in a public no, forum. True, you, true, know?
0: True. Uh, you know. But the, the short answer of that is I feel like I have a purpose now, and it, it's not going to be a world-saving purpose, but mm-hmm. it could be a life-saving purpose for one person. And if I can do that— Well,
1: certainly it's already been that.
0: Yeah. I I would like to think it has. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes. So do you look, I mean, do you look back on it now? Like in, in addiction recovery, you always hear the guy who says like, I'm a grateful alcoholic, right? And Mm -hmm. then when I was new in the program, I was like, what does that mean? You know, how could, why would you be grateful for something like that? I understand that now. Um, So I guess my question is, do you look back on what has happened to you with a level of gratitude or do you like, what is your perspective on it? Do you feel like this is, this has been a gift or, or does it still, is it still something you, you know, it's, it's a burden.
0: Do you still ask yourself why? Um, I don't think I ever looked at it as, as a gift, but I have been asked if I could have that bus miss me, if I can go back in time and have that bus miss me, knowing what I know now, would I? Mm -hmm. And my honest answer is no. Knowing what I know now, the way I've touched people and my own life, you know, never thought I'd be married. I'm married now. never thought I'd have a child. I have a child. All that would would go away if I could have that bus miss me. Mm-hmm. So, um, no. I, so I, I would say, yes, it, it's a gift. It, 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 it's a, a gift that's personal to me in my journey and has quite frankly shaped the person I was supposed to be.
1: Mm-hmm. Does that color your idea of spirituality or faith or, you know, whether it's religion or some kind of do- non-dogmatic version of
0: that? Like,
1: you know, this
0: idea of everything for a reason. It definitely strengthened that mm-hmm. 100%. Uh, I, I do believe, I'm a firm believer, everything happens for a reason. And I, I, I don't believe that everyone answers the call um, when they have an event like this or mm-hmm. when they have any kind of event. And it could be very small. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm sure that in my life before the accident, there were plenty of times where I've been called to step up and hey, you have a fight here, or you know you could stay in the bar and continue to drink your beers and have mm-hmm. a good time be you know party time um so yeah it it's it's uh, it definitely strengthened my my sense of faith and and I believe in God, I believe that you know, he, he let me or, or allowed me to survive this accident so that I can keep someone else from, from quitting.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when does, uh, when does, uh, the idea of starting to try to, I want to get back to like the timeline, like the idea of wanting to run again, like, you know, certainly you have this, you know, very long protracted, uh, uh, series of, procedures, operations, you know, this idea that, you know, you're going to be crippled, you know, probably in a wheelchair, all of these sorts of things that you're having to weather. Like, I want to walk through that to get to the point where the idea of actually running a marathon starts to enter your mind.
0: Okay. So, uh, yeah, I spent five months in the hospital. Um, I, when I, when I was hurt, I was probably about 176, 177 pounds, mm-hmm. you know, really in, in good shape. And um, <clears throat> uh, physically and aerobically, I was, I was in perfect shape. And that had all dwindled away. I, by the time I am exiting the hospital, I'm 122 pounds. Mm. Um, can can um, stand for maybe two to three minutes at a time. How long were you in the hospital? Five months. Five months. Yeah, five months and two days, to be exact. Um, and had, I think at that point, I've gone through maybe about uh, 30, 33 surgeries. And it was time to go home, knowing there'd be more surgeries. Uh, so, so there was a quite a, a long period of time where my battles became more mental. You know, when in the hospital, you're being taken care of. You mm-hmm. know, I had a button; anything I needed, I hit the button. But now, you're home is when I started to mentally realize that wow, this could be the rest of my life. Um, so there was a, there was some very low moments uh, where I wished that I had not lived.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, what was the lowest moment?
0: I, you know, we can just be open, and I guess the lowest moment is when you know I I had a colostomy bag, and and I'm in a wheelchair, and um, I'm prepping for a surgery. So I don't know, I don't know why I still had to clean my system out, but I, um, I, I'm just emptying myself all over my bathroom because mm-hmm. I can't physically move, and boom, my, and I have my number nine. That's what I call him my younger brother Eddie, number nine taking care of me mm-hmm. you know cleaning cleaning me cleaning up after me and and I, once that was said and done i just i just remember saying you know i looked over at the counter and i had the medication and the volume of medication to end it mm-hmm. um and i never Well, what if i didn't have enough you know what well, then what happens you know then i'm a burden to everyone so those thoughts came and gone quickly. Quick, you know. I never mm. battled with them too much. They got in my head and I'm like, "What am I? You're crazy. You're crazy." You, you know. You survived. Now you got to get your act together. And it wasn't until a couple months later after that that my mom really gave me the old tough, you know, "Hey, this is it. Enough's enough. Got to, got to do what you got to do with your life. You got to make it the best right. you can." Good Catholic
1: mom, yeah. like slapping you around, slapping you around, wake up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and basically, said, if you want to be a miserable son of a bitch, do it by yourself. And and that hit home. And then I started to think about all the things that... Because
1: um, she's not going to be codependent in this sort of, you know... Yeah,
0: she wanted nothing to do with it. Right. She wanted nothing to do with the pity. She's like, look, you're here, you're alive, we're happy. You know, you should be happy. And I'm blah, blah, blah. You know, you didn't get hit by the bus, but, but we're here. We were there every night, every day. And we're here now if you want us to be. You know, much like your journey where mm-hmm. your parents said, hey, when you're ready... Call us But until then right. You're out So it was pretty much The same thing mm-hmm. um, And 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 then The attitude changed At that point The attitude changed I, I I stopped thinking About the things That were taken from me I stopped thinking About the words I can't uh, And now I joke About it when I talk I said if you wake up Every morning And say you can't Go back to bed I said don't go to work Because you're useless Just call the boss mm-hmm. to, I'm taking an I can't day mm-hmm. um, And the attitude Became I will And so let's say two to three months of, of really <clears throat> not going through the motions of therapy anymore, really paying attention to the therapist, really pushing myself. And, and when they were happy, I stood and walked six steps. I was happy. I walked six steps. And I said, okay, now what would I do before my accident? Well, let's walk seven steps
2: mm-hmm.
0: and let's walk eight. And now let's do those eight steps faster and, and, and on and on and on. And then eventually I said to myself, um, Enough's enough. I have to close this page in my life and move on. And the only way I'm going to do it is if I'm able to run again. I don't want the bus to take something I loved away from me. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll leave it on my own terms.
1: Mm -hmm. When you talk about the physical therapy uh, and rehab, what about the mental and emotional? Like, where, you know, the, the, the psychologist, the psychiatrist, the shrinks, the emotional aspect of trying to repair yourself?
0: Um, I, I went. I went a couple times to a psychiatrist, and um, I don't think he was the right match for me. Yeah, it sounds
1: like that was a misfire.
0: Yeah, it was a, it was a big misfire. Uh-huh. And um, I, I just, you know, I'm kind of that guy, I'm, you know, maybe get blindsided in a conversation, and you miss all the facts around it, and all I heard was, you know, I, my tennis elbow keeps me from playing tennis. And I was like, did this freaking guy just tell me his tennis elbow? <laughs> And that's always in my head And Uh and I was like I'm out of here Yeah you got the wrong guy And then I learned that You know sometimes The best therapy Is right in front of you And and here I am Being driven To therapy By a fireman A friend of mine Who has A rare blood disease You know After being down At 9-11 For months and months And His fate is unknown Maybe uncurable and, you know, I'm feeling bad for myself because I mm-hmm. may, live, may live in a wheelchair. So me and him started to talk. And that became my therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, I kept sitting here looking at him saying, you know, how do you get up every day? Come and take care of me when you don't know what lies ahead for you.
1: Right. So, um, so yeah. wow, that's powerful, man. I mean, that's, that's a lot like, you know, I mean, that's basically the foundation of addiction recovery, one addict or alcoholic talking to another. Yeah. Being able to share that, that common experience.
0: And we we strengthen
1: that. Mm-hmm.
0: We, and we did, we shared a lot of stories and a lot of our fears and, and he helped me through a lot of things. I mean, I think he might've been one of the first firemen that I was able to cry in front of, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and, and that, that helped, that helped. And that, that pushed me. And I, I said to you, I, I haven't been to a psychiatrist since, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> But no, I'm not saying that I don't suffer from any post-traumatic stress or anything. I just deal with it differently, right? Um, you know, and I, I'm lucky enough that I could still deal with it on a bike, and you know,
1: yeah. So, so how you know how did Ironman marathon running <clears throat> that experience of training, pushing your body, you know, understanding your physical limitations and all of that? How did that play into? Um, the physical recovery going from six steps to seven steps and, and being able to maintain focus and positivity.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, at first it wasn't um, any help at all because I couldn't let go of the athlete I was or the athlete. I right. was. So becoming. It was actually getting in the way. It was getting in the way because as my therapist, um, you know, one of the things we, we started to do and I had <clears throat> when, when the wheels started turning and I said, uh, I was talking to your wife earlier about it and I said, you know, uh, I started researching everything. I'm doing everything I can to get better. So when some people say, oh, did you try acupuncture? I'm like, I did. Did it work? I, go, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And they're like, why don't you know? I said, because I You're did acupuncture. I did, yeah, <laughs> I did everything together. So yeah. I'm going to say, yes, it worked, uh-huh. you know, for me. So I remember when my, my one therapist, I had um, hired my therapist to come home and one day a week from the hospital, when I was home, I was doing therapy, three days in the hospital, gym, three days. And then two days a week, the therapist came to me and we would just go out and walk. And, you know, I went from two crutches, we'd walk around a block and I go, time me. Mm-hmm. And next week she'd come back, what was that time? Did you write that down? And I kept my journal. Mm-hmm. So when she'd get happy that I walked around a city block in 13 minutes, I started to say, well, you know, I'm two miles in already. Mm-hmm. The old match, two miles in, 13 minutes? Come on. You know, this is nonsense. Don't get happy for me. This is not a good time.
1: But it's about changing your perspective. It's not about like, oh, I'm qualifying for Boston or, you know, how am I going to get to Kona as an Ironman athlete? It's how am I going to go around the block, you know, 30 seconds faster than I did last week.
0: Right. And that's when things started to tick and change. and, And that's when I had to say, for now, I had to say goodbye to the memory of the athlete that was before the bus Mm -hmm. and say, forget about his results, but don't forget about the work he put in to become that athlete. So let's put that work in here and get faster. Mm -hmm. And let's put that work in fast and get rid of one crutch and, and get on your own feet. So how did you flick that switch?
1: Like, was there something happen, or or was that a gradual kind of realization that that was the
0: attitude you were going to have to adopt? it, It was very gradual. But um, I do. It definitely came from the two therapists that the two girls that uh, that, that helped me. You know, they they'd come in. they'd eventually tell me, they look, you know, <laughs> you know, w- w- this is emotionally draining for us. You, you're making us cry every time we leave here, and I'm like, why? And they're like, because you're so hard to accept the progress. You don't see it. Mm. You know, you shouldn't be alive, and you're walking around the block. Accept that, mm-hmm. and I was like, wow. I was like, you know what? You're like, right. Find and, the gratitude yeah. in that. I said, you're right, uh, I'm sorry. And I didn't know that I was making you cry. And, and uh, I said, you're right. And let's, uh, let's, let's, let's set some goals now. Let's set some things, let's put some things in order. And you know, I said to myself, once I was walking without, uh, or at least down to a cane, that's when I started to look for other places to go and leave the city for a little while. And, and that's when I said to myself, you know what? I, I will run again,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and that's it. And they're like, all right, you know? mm-hmm. so I did it. Yeah, I went out to Arizona. I uh, trained, uh, my, I treated myself like an athlete. Um, I rented a small apartment near the, uh, Arizona, uh, near the um, Arizona State, mm-hmm. found a place that would accept me for therapy. And, and I just in an email sent them my story, sent them newspaper links, and I said, I want to run again. And these two young, one therapist and one strength coach emailed me back saying we'd never tell anyone they couldn't run. Mm. And I flew out there. That was it.
1: That was it. Just that one little, like that little ray of hope.
0: Yep. the other places i had emailed some of them wrote back um set realistic goals mm. you know you've been through a lot and i was just like delete delete mm. delete i wanted to email them back and it just would have gone <laughs> nowhere argue, <laughs> yeah uh-huh. um so when i saw this email i said uh i called them up i said where's a good place to live there and they said well why don't you go down by arizona state and i said okay so i flew out there with a friend and um he flew home the next day. We got an apartment. I got a car with handicap controls. I started driving again. I haven't driven mm-hmm. a car in two and a half years.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and, and that was it. I told them my goal. I, I'm here for three months. I said my goal is to get strong enough to run. Mm-hmm. And the day, we, the day I left, I ran um, my first mile. Wow. 22 minutes. Wow.
1: So what was it that they had to kind of put back together? Like what were the mechanics of trying to get you from somebody who was on crutches to somebody who could actually run?
0: with him with them i went back to basic um strength building and um three days a week was therapy there was some massage therapy involved um Mm -hmm. more um the functional movements that uh, that you would get in the hospital let's work on your rotator cuff let's work on your hip let's work on your hamstring and then the two days a week with the strength coach was his method of basically look your body doesn't just move up and down it moves in multiple directions Mm -hmm. so let's start teaching those muscles they have to operate in multiple directions and we started you know he calls it triplex training and um and i was doing very simple stuff in a stretch cage just lunging to the right lunging to the left turning and twisting and it eventually started to work started firing up the muscles in his theory and and i agree now wholeheartedly the body wants to be healthy
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and when one part of the body can't do its job the muscles around it Say all right, how can we pitch in? Mm-hmm. So um, to this day, my, I don't have a glute. So like I'm looking at you. and I'm sitting. I'm sitting on my my left butt cheek, right, <laughs> just to keep me level. If I go like that, you know, I'm down. I have no muscle on the right side for my right glute. Mm-hmm. So all the muscles around it pitch in have to help to compensate, me compensate. Right. Yeah. So that's and what so, we taught it to do.
1: And 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 what kind of range of motion do you? I mean, you have a you have a titanium rod running down the your left leg. leg. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And a nine-inch titanium screw going through my pelvis I'm from the right side. Um, but um, my range of motion is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, it, it may be more so on my right side because my pelvis was reset almost a half inch to an inch higher. So um, the, there's a lot of movement on my right side right. That, that I can't control. Uh, if I do stretch and stuff like that, I do it with a, a band or a rope mm-hmm. uh, that I learned at the Wharton uh, Performance Center here in the city, because they took me to the next level. Um, and and I control it, because once I get to a certain point, it can be like, whoa. And I'm right, like, what happened to your leg? I'm like, I'm oh, uh-huh. sorry. But when you do so,
1: – all right, so when you you finally accomplish that goal and you run that one mile, I mean, this is a watershed moment. I mean, this isn't just – it's not just – Hey, I want to. I want to run again because I love running. I mean, this is a symbolic, you know, accomplishment that I think means much more than just, you know, I've repaired myself enough that I can move my body better than I could three months prior.
0: Yeah, um, it was. was, I was frightened, to be honest with you. I was frightened. I I said to them, well, you know, we had no attempt at running before this. No attempt. And I said, well, I guess I'll fall three times. If I fall three times, we stop and walk back and go back to work. Um, but I ran the whole way without falling. And at the very moment of my last step, I looked at my watch and said, you know, we still got 20 minutes left on our therapy session. Let's go inside and go to work because uh-huh. I want to run the marathon. And they were like, excuse me? I said, I said yeah, I said, this was a part of the steps I wanted to take. I said, I need to cross that finish line. I said, I don't care how long it takes me, but I need to finish my marathon. hmm And the reaction. And they were pretty cool about it. They, were, <laughs> they, they, they both actually said, uh, they both, uh, Mark, uh, the therapist was like, you run the marathon, I'll be there. I said, okay. And I said, Kyle, and he goes, I'll try. I said, okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So um, left Arizona in April. But hold on
1: a second. So, is that is that floating around in your head? Like, all right, I'm going to get through this one mile. I'm going to make this announcement. I mean, obviously, you're thinking about this, but are you thinking, like, if I can do this one mile, then I'm going to, like, say that the marathon is my goal? Or was that a spontaneous sort of thing that came to
0: Complete you? spontaneous. Uh, you know, I, th- I had always thought about it. It was like, will I ever run again? Blah, 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 mm-hmm. You know, the, finish the marathon. But it, the way it came out was complete sp- like spontaneous. Like, just the
1: elation of,
0: of getting through that one mile. Get through it one mile and then knowing myself. Knowing who I was as a person before, I'm very goal-driven. Uh, I need something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'll f- fall through the motions again in life. Mm-hmm. So uh, as soon as I completed that, I, and they, their question was, well, what do you want to do now? I said, that's it. I want to run the marathon. I said, but we got 25 minutes left, so let's go back to work. Mm-hmm. And we started strength building again. And, and the next day, I got on my plane and, and, uh, and we came home yeah and then that 's when I started researching I, well, who takes me to the next step in new york
1: mm-hmm. and who was that
0: uh, it, all, all fingers pointed to Jim and Phil Wharton of mm-hmm. the Wharton Performance Center. They got a, a place in Arizona and they got a place here um, and then he what he did was he took me from what I did in Arizona, which was more uh, one dimensional therapeutic. he took me to more um, I'm sorry, over there, I was on all different planes and, and, and three-dimensional exercises. And he took me to, let's concentrate on your weaknesses. Mm. Let's let's get the muscles, let's give the muscles that have been helping you a break. And let's work on the hamstring that doesn't work. Let's mm-hmm. work on the glute that doesn't work. Let's fire these up. Let's start thinking about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I, when I went to him for a, an evaluation, I, he gave me a piece of paper. He wrote down, he goes, right, write down your me- medical problems and issues. And I wrote... First of all, it was only two lines, so all I right. just wrote fucked <laughs> and put an explanation point. This this Jim came in, he's like, Fuck, fuck this guy's fucked And I, I said, Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. Jim. I just there's nothing else. I just don't want to uh-huh. write anymore about what's wrong. I, I told him my whole story and he goes, Damn. All right. He goes, let's, let's unfuck you. Let's unfuck yeah, you. Let's <laughs> tell a new
1: story. Yep. You know. so important to my daily routine that the app finds itself right in the dock of my phone for immediate fingertip access. Beyond its robust catalog of daily meditations, it's also this extraordinary library of mindfulness resources that go well beyond the strictures of meditation with courses on stoicism, cognitive behavioral therapy, time management, procrastination, as well as thoughtful conversations with leading scholars on Everything from psychedelics to happiness. It really is one of the most worthy investments you can make in yourself. And listeners of the show can get 30 days to try Waking Up for free. Plus you'll save $30 on the in-app price. If price is a concern, Waking Up offers the app for free. Astonishingly for anyone who can't afford it. You can find the links on their website to get a full scholarship right now. Just go to wakingup.com richroll To start your free month today, that's wakingup.com slash richroll. What is the meaning of life? What happens when we die? What is our purpose here? If like me, you ponder these delicious existential questions, I have got just the thing for you. It's called Soul Boom. It's a podcast hosted by everyone's favorite best friend and my friend, the deep thinking and deeply hilarious Rain Wilson where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. You are listening to this podcast because you care about improving your health and your well-being. From nutrition to mindset, fitness, and relationships, each episode is packed with the tools you need to become the architect of your health. Subscribe to Feel Better Live More, available wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. Tell me about the pain. Like, you know, there's the, the challenge of trying to run this one mile, but like, what, is, what are you experiencing physically when you're trying to do that?
0: At this point, I'm still taking some some pain meds. Yeah, I was going to do, say, yeah. what
1: what kind of meds are you on? What does that look like?
0: Yeah, I was still on a low dose of oxy and a slow release like Percocet, mm-hmm. um, that I learned um, pretty much by myself when and when not to take it, so that I would get through the training session or get through the night, you know, um, of sleep. That you need because you know to this day, I talk to everyone everyone I train or people I train with, I'm like, you know what you're doing now is great, but if you don't rest tomorrow you you're not building yourself, you're mm-hmm. not making yourself any stronger mm-hmm. you, know, you, you just they think they're going to get it now if they keep yeah talking. so um uh, I was able to deal with the pain on a day to day basis, going through the training regimen and the therapy. It was the pain that I suffered after attempts of running and, um, you know, going it. Cause you know, look now I'm now at this point now I'm doing pain management, but now I'm trying to get onto a marathon plan, mm-hmm. you know, in five months. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, it's, it's a lot harder to run slow than it is to get it over with in three hours. Mm-hmm.
1: And and, you're out there for so much longer. And I'm
0: going to be out there for double yeah. the amount of time, you know, and I was, I was out there for seven and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, so, the, the day after, my runs, my recovery days were, were brutal, mm-hmm. were really brutal, and it all stemmed from my, my lower back or that right side glute uh, stabilizer muscle area that, that were gone and non-existent. After a couple, of, a couple of, not even miles, after a half mile, which would take me you know eight to 10 minutes, the, the sway, swagger I had when I run just crushed my back. Question.
1: Yeah, you ha- yeah, you have so you're you're exposing yourself to injuring yourself in all kinds of other crazy ways. Yep. Trying to do that, right? So, but it's also this transition of going from rehabilitative to being kind of proactively athletic, right? It's taking you out of the context of we're rehabilitating you after this accident to okay, you're an athlete and we're preparing you for an event. Like that's a mental shift as well as a as a sort of a physical uh and kind of program, you know, kind of alteration, the w- the way that you're perceiving how you're approaching your day-to-day, you know, physical routine.
0: Uh, absolutely. And, and going back to a question we talked about before, now this is where I am in marathon training mm-hmm. before the accident starts to help me.
1: Right. So now you're starting to think, like, are you starting to feel like, Yeah, you can tap into this I know this Like this feels familiar Like I'm back in that
0: lane Right I'm not, you know I'm not worried about the time I'm producing In my efforts right now Mm -hmm. But I know that I can go the distance Mm -hmm. I know that You know I've been on those 100 mile bike rides By myself To train myself An Ironman When your head starts telling you What are you doing out here You know Maybe you should just pull over And stop Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know You fight those demons So I said I've beaten those demons before I can push myself to the point where others would sit down and take that break. So I just need to know that I got to do it and it's going to take a lot longer now.
1: Mm -hmm. And what are your buddies telling you now? And like, what's your family saying? I mean, are they they being supportive?
0: Yeah, most of the people were 100% supportive to me. Now, whether they... When I left the room, said, yeah. you know, what's he thinking? Uh-huh. Um, I, or
1: we're worried about what's going to happen if he doesn't just doesn't work out.
0: Right. I, I So I didn't know too much of that. Um, I had my two friends, Frank Carino and Noel Flynn, both uh, sub-three-hour marathon runners. Um, they were with me pretty much through my training, and they were going to run the race with me that day. Um, it was like two nights before the marathon. My brother, Jim, who was also a fireman, he calls me up. And... At this point in training, I got to 14 miles. Mm. And it took me about four hours. So Jim Wharton said, and I shut down. Like I, I had to be, actually thank God for cell phones and, and mm. some of the modern changes in life. I had to call my buddy and say, look, I'm sitting on the side of the road in the park, I can't move. Mm. And my hip locked up, my back was seized up. I, I, they literally came, got me, put me in a cab, picked me up in a firehouse and put me in a, uh, a garbage pail full of ice. Mm. And um, so I told Jim, I said, Jim Wharton, I said, I, I, I couldn't get past 14 miles. I, we have two months or months, five weeks. I said, I, I, didn't, I what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And he just said, um, yeah, we're going we're gonna to adapt. We're going to adapt. We know we can get it done. We know we can finish. We know you can keep going. He goes, now we just got to take care of the body, get you to healthy. Mm-hmm. So we dialed it down, and it was more of a mental thing than it was a physical thing now mm-hmm. for me to complete that marathon. But uh, so two nights before the, after that event, my brother calls me up and says, you know, the newspapers, the local newspapers are are making a story about this fireman making an incredible comeback less than three years from near fatal accident. Mm -hmm. He said to me, "Um, what are you going to say to him if you fail? And I said, excuse me? Excuse me? What, What did you just say? He said, well, Jim. He goes, Matt, if you don't finish... They're going to want to know why you're a story no matter what now. Mm-hmm. And what if you don't finish? And <clears throat> I said to him, did you wake up this morning and say, you're going to kick me in the balls? He yeah. goes, that's what you just did. Like, well, you know, how is that helpful? <laughs> <And> I'm like, <laughs> like and, you know, he, we kind of had to chuckle uh, like we just did. And, and he said, no, I'm just trying to be honest with you. And, and I said, okay, you know, I appreciate it. I said, it took me a little bit of time. And I said, you know what I'm going to tell him? I said, Three years ago, I was supposed to die. If I finish 20 miles tomorrow and leave 6.2 on the course, it's not 6.2 miles of failure, but 20 miles of success behind me. And that's the way I'm going to look at it. How about just showing up at the at the start line? You know it's what I mean? Some it's would like, think that was a success you know, that thing it's,
1: it's, it It goes back mm-hmm. to this idea that I know you feel strongly about, which is it's the journey, man. It's the journey. Like you had... The balls to stand up, the spine to say, I'm going to tackle this and take this on. And yeah, I might fail. I don't know, but I'm going to show up for it. And, you know, five weeks earlier, I seized up at 14 miles and here I am, I'm still going to do this. And whether or not you succeed or fail, I think is irrelevant. And you can't control how, you know, the, the, the narrative that the media is going to adapt around that. But I would imagine, you know, They're going to still celebrate the fact that you even tried. And I think, you know, what we haven't really talked about is that you were you took this on very much in the spotlight because, you know, in the wake of your accident, this was a big story. Right. So people were paying attention. People knew who you were. They're watching you. (laughs) And so the pressure that came along with that, whether you cave and decide, you know, I can't take this on or you decide to rise to the occasion. That's a story regardless.
0: Yeah, you're right. And it's funny that you say that uh, because part of the reasons for me leaving New York to go to Arizona was to try to get away from that. And and what was the icing on the cake one night? And I, I would my daily routine became, okay. get get the crutches on, get get taken care of, get cleaned up. And now I'm going to. Um, take the one block journey to Starbucks to get my coffee mm-hmm. in the morning and, and walk back to my apartment. And that was part of me getting out into the fresh air. And the homeless guy outside Starbucks sees me walking in and he goes, my man, you're the guy that got hit by the bus. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, man, I've been praying for you. And I'm like, well, I'm praying for you too. I said, thank yeah. you very much. And I went inside. I'm like, even the homeless guy knows who I am.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So I need to get away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: That's so funny. All right, so so all right. So you get that phone call. You have that fourteen mile, you know, experience. I mean did you? Was that still your longest run? Leading That's up it. into the marathon. So you didn't try to go out there and trump that before nope. race day.
0: Nope, I didn't try again. Mm-hmm. I, I kept um, I kept any outdoor running um, to between three and five miles, mm. and we were down to three days a week at that, and then everything else was done either just to build some aerobic power. And I was swimming. Um, I was doing indoor cycling. Um, and I was on the elliptical. Mm-hmm. So I would, to, to mix it up, I would do maybe all three for an hour. Mm-hmm. Or there were times when I was on an elliptical for three hours. Right, but just not as much pounding, right. pavement pounding. Right. And, and the recovery
1: time has to be far greater. I mean, what else you're doing? I would imagine you're doing ice baths. you you know, the rest aspect of what you were doing had to really require a bunch of focus.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. And I was doing ice baths. I was doing acupuncture at this time. I was doing mm-hmm. everything to try to regenerate nerves. Um, you know, I was taking every recovery supplement that, you know, you read about, right. oh, someone's doing this. Okay. I'll do that. You know, no, no, Put your left hand in the air when you do that. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Any, anything, 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 yeah. this worked for me. I was trying it all. Uh-huh. I, I was really trying it all. So, um, you know, more importantly, you know, I was mentally focused. And and you're right. You're 100% right. It, it, looking back, it, it is about the journey more than it is about the finish. Um, but my journey wasn't over until I, for right. me, until I crossed that finish line.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, mentally, it, 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 it kind of gave me this... Um, gave me this victory over so maybe it wasn't really about crossing the finish line of the marathon but but give me the victory over the bus to say well you didn't take running from me
2: mhm
0: you know i'm not fast anymore I'm, i don't even look good when i'm running but you didn't take it away from me mm-hmm. you know i i got i still have that if i want it yeah it doesn't have that power over you right and you know i obviously went further from that day but at some point it turned around and said well these are the things I love. These are the things that, that strengthened me. These are the things that, that gave me enjoyment, and I still have them. But now I'm leaving them on my terms, not because you hit right, me. Right, 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 right. And when you show up
1: on race day, are you thinking, I'm finishing this thing? Or are you thinking, I don't know, man, but I'm here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give it a try. Like, what's the mental state?
0: Yeah, Marathon Sunday, you know, they gave me a three-hour head start with the Achilles track athletes. And um, I was grateful because I was like, oh, you know, the firemen are all going to mm-hmm. be done. Everyone's going to be done out partying already. Like I said, party, everything, you know, party, right. marathon. So, um, I, so I had appealed to the Achilles Track Club, and, and they were grateful enough to, to let me start with them. And there was about 30 of us, hand cycles, wheelchair, amputees, blind runners. It, it, it was amazing. And from the naked eye, there, nothing really looked until I started to move. mm mm-hmm. You wouldn't think anything was wrong with me. Uh, Mary Wittenberg, the, the head of uh, New York Roadrunners, um, she gave me a big shout-out as she started that little group of, of, of uh, Achilles athletes. And I used to tell my friends, you know, they were like, oh, challenged athletes. I'm like, well, I'm not a challenged athlete. I said, I'm an athlete with challenges. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference. So that's the way I kind of looked at it. And um, I didn't know if I'd finish. Okay, but multiple little things happened along. People I saw, uh, in fact, so since I had a three-hour head start, the firemen weren't even at the starting line yet. Oh, wow. They were still at the hotel in the uh-huh. city loading their buses. And as I'm going over the Arizona Bridge, line of buses stopped. And they're out the windows uh-huh. yelling my name, yeah, you know, yeah. ha- waving wow. their flags. And I was just like, wow, like, go, mad. They all passed me at mile 16. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a kick in the balls yeah, right there. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you got to be that guy (laughs) who's like, you know, here come the elite
1: women. Here come the... (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was my first Uh up close and personal uh, view of Kara Goucher. Right. So I was like, wow. Paula Radcliffe. She's pretty cute. Yeah, yeah, wow. So,
1: so, uh, you know, walk me through that experience. I mean, you, you know, there's nothing like the New York Marathon. I mean, just the... The incredible, uh, you know, environment, the supportive, you know, crowds the entire way. I mean, there's just there's there's no other race like it. And for you to be this hometown story, you know, that everybody is kind of, you know, they're up to speed on. Everybody knows what's going on with you. I mean, it had to be, you know, despite the incredible challenges and struggles of, of trying to get through those 26 miles to kind of absorb that support along the way had to carry you quite a bit.
0: It yeah, it absolutely did, and and luckily enough that that I've involved myself in New York City so much through firemen, through growing up in Brooklyn, um, that you know, being almost like
1: we didn't even talk about you being like at Ground Zero and nine eleven, the yeah. experience of nine eleven and all of that. I mean, it's just you're
0: you're you're part of the fabric of this city. Yeah, so you're right, that's, that's yeah. a good way to look at it, and it's true, and and and, and fortunate for me that that twenty six point mile journey at every point. There was someone there that at this point, where the same reason why I left New York City is why what I needed to finish this marathon. I needed mm-hmm. someone to say, there's Matt. Right. You know, there's that guy. <laughs> yeah. and um, I'm sure you got a lot of that. <laughs> I, I got a lot. I got a lot of it for yeah. the first nine miles because it was just mm-hmm. us. It was just me, Noel, Frank, and Charlie Butler, the guy who, who co wrote my book with me. Um, and so we got a lot of that in the, the early morning. And then when the runners started to come by me, you know, I, I started with 30 channel, uh, Achilles Track Club athletes mm-hmm. and I finished in 40,000th place.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So 39,970 mm-hmm. people passed me and a good chunk of them patted me on the back
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, as they went by or gave me words of encouragement. So they pushed me through uh, a lot of the early miles and then you hit mile uh, 15, 14 to 16, you're on 1st Avenue. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where I just lived for five months in the hospital. My therapist, they were out, mm-hmm. you know, on the avenue cheering me on uh, at the finish line. My doctors and his family were there. And, and one, of the, one of the best moments of my finish, uh, you know, I was emotional. I cried and, and my family was there. But one of the best moments is when my trauma surgeon, Dean Lorich, has, I think he's three girls now. And his baby was born just a month or two after I mm. was hurt and he had to leave his home during christmas he had to leave he had to get his wife out of bed rest and to get only to get to the hospital just to help be a part of saving my life and he looked at his daughter and said his older daughters and said this is why daddy's not home
2: mm-hmm.
0: and you know i i looked at them and i said thank you thank you for understanding that you know cuz that's mm-hmm. tough he he's a trauma surgeon he just mm-hmm. not a guy you make an appointment with
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, that was one of my best moments uh, with him at least i'm still friends with him and
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, I, and I'm very grateful that that they that they sacrificed their lives and had their calling to to be the best that they could be.
1: Mm-hmm. Extraordinary, yeah. I mean, it's easy to kind of go, oh, you know, Matt and his you know amazingly inspirational story, and look look what he did, and that that belies the fact that there is this extraordinary team of people. You know, uh, behind every success, whether athletic, professional, or otherwise, like you don't get there alone, and you know, it's cool to hear you recognize all the people that help you on your journey.
0: You definitely don't get there alone. You Mm -hmm. don't, you know, whether you meet them when you're falling down that ladder again, uh, you know, to, I don't know, but, um, but you don't, you don't achieve true success by yourself and whether that's happiness or financial success, whatever you don't you know, and that person—I'd be wary of the person who says I did this by mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. I'm self-made, and screw you, because that's mm-hmm. what he would do or yeah. she would do.
1: Yeah, self-made is a an illusion, yeah. I think. Uh, so, so what was the feeling when you crossed the finish line?
0: You know, at first I I, I remember the finish line, and there's some controversy around my finish. Um, it was a probably bad judgment call, but. Um, I don't know if you ever seen the videos, Rich, mm-hmm. but uh, there was an incident right before the finish. Now, I, let's put, let's put, let, let me, um, not defend my actions, but let me, I'll tell you them because it's part of what I did. So you have to own up to it. Uh, I'm out there for seven hours and 18 minutes at mile 25.8. I stopped
2: mm-hmm.
0: and didn't say, didn't say a word. I was in pain. Um, I wanted to quit. And I only had, you know, four-tenths of a mile mm-hmm. to go. Mm-hmm. I wanted to quit. I really did. And the guys... Now, at this point, I was only running with three other people. But at this point, a so-called entourage have has come around me. Other people have given up their day to run with me. And now the group, pack grew to maybe 17 people. And, um, you know, I, I would say that my vision was blurred. I would say mm-hmm. that... You know, I was not thinking straight. Mm -hmm. And we turn, get into the park, I start running again. And there's a a gentleman jumping up and down at the finish line and not in any hurry to finish. In fact, he had a video camera and he was just kind of videoing the crowd, applauding at the line. Mm -hmm. And I just kept saying to myself that, you know, I had a path and he's there. And I'm not going to fall down at the finish. Mm -hmm. Like, this is you know, where I'm going. So I kind of Heisman trophied this runner <laughs> and uh-huh. went on my way and across the finish line, Dropped down the floor, do 10 push push-ups. was I wanted to do push-ups before I started bawling, crying, which mm-hmm. didn't help. Cause I got up and bowled and cried anyway. Um, but it was a big controversy about the push and why did I push him? You mm-hmm. go back to the videotape. He was, he wasn't in your way. Do I regret pushing him? Yes. Do I own up to him? In fact that I pushed him? Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Were you you delirious? Were you, you know?
0: I could come up with a thousand excuses. Instead, I just decided to say in in the internet world of slow twitch and and the people that were were killing me for it and calling me a bad person, Mm -hmm. I just came out and basically said, you know what? You're right. You know, I I shouldn't have done it. Mm -hmm. And if I could apologize to this runner, I would. Yeah, I mean,
1: speaking from somebody who has some experience with being delirious in the midst of an endurance challenge, you know, it brings out a certain aspect of who you are that might not always be so pretty. I mean, I I had, you know, a similar experience when I did Epic Five and I was beyond tired and could barely, you know, function. And that's what they always say, like in these ultra endurance races, don't, don't bring your friends as your crew members. <laughs> you <know, 'cause laughs> there won't be it, your friends anymore. <laughs> you know, there's dark, there's dark moments, you know, where then you come out of it and you're like, I can't believe I behave like that. So, you know, this, I, I you know, I think that, that for anybody who hasn't sort of walked a mile in the shoes of, of what that is like that they should reserve judgment on that, but you know, I haven't seen the video, but thanks for being honest and open mm-hmm. about that. Um, <clears throat> but, in, you know, so you have this extreme, you know, extraordinary experience of finishing this marathon. Then it, be, then it's this big story. Then runner's world writes this, you know, remarkable article about it. I mean, and that's, I, 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 my understanding is that's what kind of paved the way for you to write the book and everything that's come from that. I mean, is that how that came about?
0: Absolutely, one hundred percent. The um, the, in fact, we were working on the article before I even dreamed of running the marathon again. Um, the two thousand and so I was two thousand five that I my last marathon got hurt two thousand five. So the two thousand six marathon, um, Charlie Butler was working for Runner's World and he was doing a story of the gangs of New York, the mm-hmm. different the different running teams in New mm-hmm. York. And two of the teams were the police and the firemen. So they had made shirts this year. They had um, shirts that said, go long on the back. And it was for me. And they didn't make a stink about it. They just did it. I didn't know about it until race day. And Charlie was asking him, well, what's this go long? And one of my friends, Tom Grimshaw, who's a little bit older than me, but was a big influence in my running, told him the story. He was like, wow, I'd like to get in touch with him. You know, another story. And Charlie and I had met a couple of times, and and I was still not uh, in a really good place. So the meetings we had were, he was still intrigued, but I was kind of like whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, then I disappeared on him for about six months. I mm-hmm. went to Arizona and I did my thing, and and I came home and I emailed him, and said, Charlie. It's Matt Long. I know I haven't been around, but um, still interested. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I'm not sure. You know, what are you doing? I go, the marathon. Mm-hmm. And he's like hello <laughs> you know, course, email right stopped away. the phone code and, uh-huh. and we sat down and, and did the story and it wound up being the, the largest article Runners World ever published mm-hmm. on a single athlete it was like 14 pages mm-hmm. and then we just yes, then Runners World and Charlie and I turned it into, into mm-hmm. the long run into the book and the book you know had an
1: extraordinary life it was an incredible success and I'm sure it you know, opened up tons of doors for you mm-hmm. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries, all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof, with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. I mean, I, I would say, how has it changed? But like, how has it not changed? You
0: know, I mean, everything about your life is different yeah i I, i've lived a good life i I really have um but but you know being able to to spread any bit of inspiration is 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 truly a gift that um that i'm happy to have Mm -hmm. so the book getting my story out a little further don't you know don't get me wrong there's there's some places i go and it's you know this is great because it's gonna put the kids through school or it's gonna Mm -hmm. you know pay some bills but but the bottom line is um you know, when I get out there and, I, and I'm able to help one person um, and, I, and I always get an email, it doesn't matter. You know, you get the email, you get a, just stopped in the elevator, you, wherever, and they tell you their story. And then they realize that, that, you know, they're not the only ones out there having a tough time. Mm-hmm.
1: One of the things that I always uh, talk about is the incredible resiliency of resilience, resiliency, resilience <laughs> of uh they work, the human body. <laughs> the human spirit. Um, You're certainly an example of that. Um, I mean, how do you kind of, you know, when you were talking about like, I'm trying to regenerate these nerve endings, and, you know, that's on the like, micro level of like repairing the body, but, but it goes all the way to, you know, the highest level of repairing your spirit, your perspective of the world, you know, your role, what is your legacy? what What is your gift? And what are you leaving behind? And and there's nothing more powerful than a story, a story well told, an incredible story well told. You're certainly you're certainly that. I mean, how do you, you know, kind of look at look at this path um, and translate that into something that somebody can extract something to help them? Right. That's not very well said, but you know what I'm <laughs> I saying? I like, you. like, how, you know, like, like, how do you take your story and say, all right. Uh, you know, how can I convey my experience in a way that somebody can take something from that and
0: implement it into their life for the better? You know, know, I I think it's, I think it could be simply answered with two words or replacing words. And it's basically starting your day with, I will, whatever that means for you, whatever's at task for the day, the week, the month, whatever your goals are, you know, we, the body intrinsically wants to be healthy so you don't have a bad back now look there are people with back problems and things with real issues but a lot of people have a bad back because they're sanitary they just sit around mm-hmm. and they're not, they're not active the body wants to move the body wants to get up so that bad back could be telling 85 percent of the people in this world get up you know lose 10 pounds strengthen your core and the back will stop hurting. I had a bad back. I went to chiropractor. I started running. I got in shape. I, the back pain went away. Mm-hmm. The body wants to be healthy. So what I talk to people about is, that, look, I'm not telling you go out and do an Ironman. I'm not telling you to go out and do a marathon. You know, find the, what it is for you that's going to make you happy and do it. I use the analogy of the, the stove. You know which has come a long way, but when I was growing up, or when I worked in Harlem, it was always just an old school stove with a pilot light in the middle, and mm-hmm. you know that light went out, you had a gas leak. I said, "The human spirit is what will drive you to to heal your body, and that human spirit is the pilot light. Someone's got to turn the knob on.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And for me, it was my mom who said, "You know, let's get those burners going." And once I did that. You know, am I perfectly healed now? No, I walk with a limp, I, I stabilize, I can't stand on my right leg, I can't move my right arm higher than, uh, you know, 95%. But but I'm healed mentally because of my human spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that is, there's nothing wrong with it. There's mm-hmm. no metal in my spirit. There's no, it's just there and it flows because, you know, I, I love my family, extended and my own. And and I, I try now to stay as healthy as I can, so that when I'm older, I know what's ahead of me. I know it's, the arthritis is coming, and what what I know what's going to be ahead of me when I'm older. But I'm going to be as healthy and as strong mentally, so that I can handle mm-hmm. and and, it. And and that's what I try to tell people. I'm like, you know, you have it. You me and you are exactly the same. We have the same pilot light. Right. Just got
1: to right, turn it Right. 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 So, but if somebody's out there who's listening and they feel stuck, they're struggling. Uh, you know, they're out of shape or they just don't know what the first thing to do is. Like they don't know, you know, how to turn that pilot light on or they don't know who that person is in their life that they can turn to or rely on. Like
0: how do you, you know, what is the message? The the message would be to do an inventory check on your life. And it may be one of the hardest decisions you have to make when you do that inventory check because you'll find out who it is or what it is. That's keeping you back, and you know it could be the person that's closest to you we have to say, you know what I, I just can't deal anymore I can't do it anymore I can't be around the negativity that's going to keep me in this hole mm-hmm. you know and I, and and you know I said that like I lost friendships post accident um, you know there were guys that just were happy enough that I lived and said, deal with it you know it is it you're, you're okay you know we'll go out with you in a wheelchair and I'm like, well, mm-hmm. that's not what I want mm-hmm. and That attitude, that energy, you know, and and I'm not, you know, this big, you know, atmospheric, uh, you know, it's in the stars type of guy, but that energy is not helping me. You know, I don't need the person to tell me, just be happy with being alive. I -hmm. said, well, what's good is being alive if not living? Mm -hmm. And to me, living was running, living was being active, living was staying in shape. So, you know, here I would tell this person, you have to do an inventory check, find out. Go back to being a kid What was going on in your life when you were happy And I tell people all the time I realize it. I did those inventory checks more than once Because again we didn't talk yeah. about 9-11 But after 9-11 I battled a little depression And I started to do an inventory check What was I doing In the times of my life When I was happiest And it came down to one thing I was dreaming Simple mm-hmm. As a kid you dream As an adult we set goals the same freaking thing so for me that is what i found and i started to dream again about running about cycling about having a family and, and i have it
1: amen brother i love thank that thank you You know you said earlier that 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 goals are really important to you to help keep you structured and, and focused and whether it's dreaming or or goal setting so you know what's the goal now what do you dream about now or what's next
0: well, you know, it, I, athletically I, it is, <laughs> is how it goes for me. You know, so uh, I'm 49, or well, I'll be 49 this year. The, the, and me this too, is something you—this is something you probably don't know. So, after my bus accident, like, what else can happen to me, right? You know, I was like, wow, the guy hit by a bus and he lives. And it's uh-huh. like, you know, how much his bad luck cards are over. You know, so um, I show up at a bike race in Central Park, and um, I, I line up with the Cat Fives. And some guy looks at me and says, hey, aren't you the guy hit by the bus? I'm like, yeah. He goes, what are you doing here? So I said, well, I'm going to try to race mm-hmm. with you guys. He's like, really? So, boom, gun goes off. And we, we start our first, like, 70 guys. And we start our first lap around Central Park. And the first climb, uh, the, my right glute is, is evident. Mm-hmm. I'm done. I'm dropped. Uh-huh. Can't get back in the field. I roll around my five or six laps. And at the end of the race, I see that guy again. he goes, how'd it go? I said I was dropped, dropped in the first lap. He goes, You know, y- you should be trying out with the para athletes. And I never looked at myself like that. So I said, What? You know, I took it into it. And I went home. And mm-hmm. I started Googling it and researching it. And I'm like, You know, I emailed the guy from the para cycling committee. And he was like, Yeah, 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 yeah. Without a doubt. I sent him my information. So I go, now my goal it back, this was in 2000, um, 2010, 2000, 2010, right mm-hmm. after I finished the Ironman. Um, is to become a paracyclist and go to the Olympics. Mm. So I go down to Augusta, Georgia for the Paranational uh, cycling champion, road champions. Again, I did it without asking questions, so I didn't know what was really going on. I went down there, had my road bike. I signed up for the long course road race as a C3 uh, classified Mm paracyclist. All the C1 through C5 race together. So we're in a pack of 50, 60 people, men and women, Oh, no, the women actually started behind, behind us because I got passed by quite a few of them. Um, <laughs> so amputees, you know, they're all there in the pack, and you go and you finish. So I really never had an idea of what was going to happen at the end of this 28-mile race. I finished the, across the line, and I get called up for a gold medal.
2: Hmm. So
0: I'm a parent national champion. <laughs> and I'm, like, looking around, and they're not calling anyone else. So I go up to the podium, and I'm like, um, whoa, whoa. whoa. Who, who'd I beat? And the guy's like, oh, you're the only one in you're the, the race. Only one. You're
1: like, you're in your category. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. what? Is...
0: <laughs> so I was like, so it goes in line with the men's fitness thing. I was yeah. like, well, I'm, I'll take it, but don't make me stand yeah. on the podium. <laughs> go where the, uh, go where the hurt is thin, right? You know um, I mean? So it turns out that in the, the American na- uh, paranational racing is so far behind European that they really only concentrate on time trial and, and track mm-hmm. here. Because Europe's so far ahead of us. So when they go to the Olympics, they, they want to send... So all the C3 guys were in the hotel sleeping for the time trial the next day, and uh, I didn't compete in that. I gotcha. So uh, anyway, so my... So where are you taking this? So um, um, now I'm talking to the coach. I'm like, well, you know, can I do this? Can I try this? He's like, absolutely. You need to get officially certified in your injury. I said, no problem. And he gave me, like, you know, some coaching tips. And I said, well, I'm going to start to train for 2012 London Olympics. He's like, awesome. So I go to uh, my 2011 year start in Florida to do a 10-day, you know, summer trip. Uh-huh. First day, I get hit by a Buick. No way. Broke my arm, slid across the road. Ugh, oh. I didn't know that. Oh, my fifth, God. Fifth, so... I <laughs> That I remember completely. That hurt. <laughs> I didn't lose consciousness. Uh, I thought you were pre disaster. <laughs> you know, like that's not supposed to happen again.
1: <laughs> no, I was like, oh my God. Me
0: and my buddy were, were were cruising down. And again, my friend Noel Flynn, who ran with me, he, was, he came down on the cyclone trip. He was into cyclone and triathlon. So um, I'm, I'm right on his wheel and I'm like, this is great. We're feeling awesome. I'm like, yeah, this is good. What, what, what's it say? I'm like, ah, 25, 25 miles an hour. Let's go, let's go. We had a mile to go, The 49th mile. We had a mile to go home. Mm. And uh, a car turns right in front of us. I hear him yell, fuck. And I'm like, ah! He goes up and over. I slid under. It landed the side of the you car. You slid under the car again. No, like, hit the side of it. Like, slid the floor <laughs> into the—broke my arm. You know, road rash. The, 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 if we have time, the, long, the funny story about it is it happened in front of a bar in, in Clearwater Beach called um, Krabby Bill's. The bar empties out because we got there for the first day, so it was like four o'clock. It was a uh-huh. late, late day ra- riding. The bar empties out, and there's a whole bunch of guys. So the fire trucks, they're they're, they're putting me in the Stokes basket. They're, they're stabilizing my neck and, and my friend. And so I tell uh, the fireman, I go, listen, if, if, guys, I'm a New York City firefighter, and thank God I had my fire department kit on. So mm-hmm. they're like, oh, okay. So just don't take me to a bad hospital, you know. I don't want any special. Just get me to a good hospital, I'm a New York City fireman. It's, please just take mm-hmm. me where you would go. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "All right, don't worry about it. We'll we'll, we'll take care of you." And um, I now I'm wrapped up, so I can only see straight, and I hear the the uh, paramedic go to someone on the side of the road. And say, "Yeah, you're a fireman." And the guy's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm a fireman." He's like, "So is the guy on the street?" "Oh yeah." "What's his name?" I "Say what's your name?" So I I say my name. Uh-huh. All you hear is the guy go again, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going I'm trying to look like who is that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh-huh. I'm in the emergency room in Florida, and. The nurse comes in and says, M- "Mr. Long," and I go, "Yeah, yeah, it's me." They go, you got to visit? I go. The only guy that knows I'm here is in the bed next to me, uh-huh. <laughs> and the three drunk firemen came in to visit me. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> so the fraternity, though, man. Wherever yeah, yeah, you go, yeah.
1: right? Yep. wherever yeah. you go, that's so, amazing.
0: That ended so, my uh, quest.
1: So that ended Olympics. your quest. Yeah. So, so where does that leave you now, though? Are you like back on the bike? Yeah, or- I'm back mm-hmm.
0: at it. I'm, I'm back. Um, I'm back racing my racing my bike. Um, it, more a little more focused uh, because I'm still racing as a Cat Five mm-hmm. uh, and still having problems staying with them. So, but this year I uh, I really focused. Um, started a, a, a program with a cycling team in Brooklyn, um, and I'm, I'm making every. You know, it's not when you're in your 40s and you're training for something. You it's not like you could you, know, you have tomorrow. Like ah, I just get it done tomorrow. It's like mm-hmm. wait a minute. You know, every second's got to count. Here I got a two year old. Yeah. You know, so everything's got to count. So I'm really, I think, for the first time in my life, as an athlete, I'm training with a purpose. You know, with, a, with every workout has a reason. Uh, every workout has a certain time that has to get done, and everything's going pretty smooth so far. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I'm so. Yeah, I'm just. I want to race. My wife knows I want to race. She knows it keeps me going.
1: That's great, man. So. And do you, do you go, uh, so you ride out in Brooklyn, or do you ride it in Central Park? Like, where do you do your rides around here?
0: Yeah, it's tough to ride around in New York City. Yeah. Um, I, I ride uh, out in Rockaway Beach is where I live. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we'll, I'll ride into Brooklyn to the Prospect Park area. We'll also come over the bridges. I call it like a four-bridge ride I do. I'll come over from Rockaway to Brooklyn, then mm-hmm. from Brooklyn to Manhattan, then Manhattan to New Jersey, hit State Line in New Jersey, then come back and repeat uh-huh. for about 100 miles. Yeah, nice. So, but but getting into Central Park has has gone through some changes. There's some, some unfortunate accidents. Yeah, and, you know, there's just a lot of people, and you know, you you really you really ha- I, I'm getting a lot of it done indoors now. Right, you know, because I know plenty of pros that you can't get do hit a third time. You
1: can't get yeah. hit a third time, man.
0: I'm running out of lives. Yeah, or you got to move out to California, ride some of the mountains around where we live. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would love that. I would love to to, to take a journey one day and see what it's like my tra- wife was actually born in camp. san diego oh yeah yeah well you could these uh, training camps yeah. come oh, well, on man i i do i do get away to uh with a group from that actually built my bikes for me because my bikes are custom made mm-hmm. and um i go to i've been to mallorca three times oh Spain. wow so nice riding in europe is so different than yeah, riding yeah. here. it's just the, the people you know the cars beep the horn and to, to wish you good luck it's not to culture. say get out of your yeah, way yeah it's, yeah. yeah it's the
1: culture it's the culture. Well, that's cool, man. Uh, Let's—I think that's a good place to wrap it up and close it down.
0: Great. I'm—I'm I'm, uh, super stoked that you had me, and it's really awesome. New oh year.
1: man, are you kidding? I'm so glad that you came and did this. Uh, You're—you know—I'm sure you get fatigue of hearing this, but you are an inspiration. Your story Thank is you. extraordinary, and it really is a—you know—a beacon of light for, for so many people. And uh, and I hope that you keep doing what you're doing, man, and spreading your message. Are Thank you. Gonna you write, are you going to write another book?
0: Thank you. Yeah, I I don't know. You know, they, we talk about it. We, we, I, I, to be honest with you, we're focusing on making the book a movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool, man. So, is, well, there, is there some activity behind that? Option awesome and stuff. There, there's a little activity. Yeah, uh, we have we have a guy in California that, that's turning it into a sc- uh, screenplay, mm-hmm. and, and he's shopping it around a little bit. It's very early, and it could never ever get done. Um, but th- he's pretty passionate about getting it done, and 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 I just said as long as it could be done right and tastefully, and if you really think that it will further the message, uh, and he believes it will, so you know, I it's my story. Who wouldn't want to have a movie about themselves? You know, <laughs> of course, man. That's know, cool. I, I still, you know, it, it, you know, it's funny is I get a lot of crap for my personality. I just have mm-hmm. one of those personalities I can come across to someone the first time I meet him as his cocky son of a bitch they ever uh. met. Or I I just like to say to people that I've always had a a certain level of confidence. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with it. You know, so, yeah, I guess it'd be awesome. You're a New Yorker, man. I'm a New Yorker. More than that, I'm from Brooklyn.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And what about the, uh, the, what's going on with the I Will Foundation?
0: You, know, you I talk about yeah that, my right? my foundation, so you know the foundation was birthed uh, out of me saying the words, "I will mm-hmm. and um i it, to real and I can go real quick with it is that um i, I called a gentleman um, who i read an article about that was hurt he 's from Massachusetts fabio Slavic um to this day i can 't believe it, I still haven't met this guy, but I-, I got him through the power of the internet, we had phone calls, and I basically to him please. I said, you know, you everything mirrored what happened to me. Happened to you. Mm-hmm. Help me and I'll help others. And he's helped me tremendously. And, um, without knowing I'm a perfect stranger. And, um, so I said, I don't want Fabio to be so hard to find for the next Matt Long. Mm-hmm. So I originally was going to be a webpage. I will foundation, mm-hmm. Matt Long story, you know, take from what you can and, and, and go. And then people started sending me money. You yeah. know, oh, I love it. And so now I started helping people. So it's, it's small because it's me. It's out mm-hmm. of my house. Um, any money I get, I try to give right to someone who needs help. Mm-hmm. And we've helped vets come home. We've, we've remodeled kitchens and bathrooms for vets that are now paralyzed. I've, I've, I've taken a guy with no arms, built a bike for him, and he rode the bike mm-hmm. from Florida to, to wa- Spokane, Washington. Whoa. He's now doing a big thing in Paris. I've, I know I'm not going to know the name, but he's riding like 1,200 miles in Paris. Wow. And um, we helped the girl who was born with polio be the first woman to complete Ironman Kona mm-hmm. in a wheelchair.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. So it's, it's just about getting in there and helping him right away. I don't want it to become uh, where I have a building and where 30% go to expenses. It's right. like people write me letters, and unfortunately, sometimes I have to say no. When people write me letters and say, this is what I want to... In fact, I'll give the real quick story of it. Yeah, yeah, One day I'm walking in. Now I'm moving out of Manhattan. My life is changing. I'm married and I'm looking for my bike shop now. Uh-huh. I have bike shops in Manhattan. So I, I go into this bike shop in Sheepshead Bay, Roy's bike shop. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm looking for this and this and that. And, I'm like, and this gentleman comes in and he's talking about his bike and how it got stolen and he kind of walks away. And I just being, an, I guess, that nosy New Yorker, I said to the guy behind the counter, I said, what's, what's the deal with this guy? He's like, ah, he lost his leg in a motorcycle accident. So I looked down and noticed that he was an amputee.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> and then, uh, he's kind of like in and out, living in like a shelter or something. And you know, his bike was his only way to get around mm-hmm. and, and make some dollars. We gave him a bike.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, the, the staff here, we really can't do it again. Mm-hmm. He left it outside. It got stolen. So I said, today's his lucky day. I said, here's $2,500. Set him up. Mm-hmm. And we, bought, we built, bought him a bike. Mm-hmm. You know, just helped this individual.
1: That's a nice bike. $2, yeah, $2, yeah, $2, yeah, yeah, $2, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> that was the budget. He did get yeah. a nice bike. He upgraded for sure. Yeah. Um, but he, he got a $2,500 bike, and they put a special pedal on it for his leg. And, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and it, that's the, something you can't do. Right. we're the bigger organization so that's the way i want to keep the i will foundation mm-hmm. so it's there i will com. my story's there there's other people's stories there it's not just about me and then we try to help people that that have that uh spirit to live
1: yeah very cool and are you are you speaking uh anytime soon where the public can check you out like what's the speaking schedule look like or is that on yeah, your website
0: my um, th- my own website mattlongspeaker.com mm-hmm. um We'll have events up, but right now the only two on the schedule are private events. Right, um, you know, marathon, half marathon season comes around. Usually, I'm, I'm involved with the road runners. Hopefully, I'm back with them. So maybe at those events, we'll we'll be uh, be around.
1: Right on. All right, so people, uh, so people who want to check out more about your story, obviously the book the at- long run <clears throat> you can find that on amazon click through the amazon banner ad at richroll.com uh your website uh and you're on twitter facebook all yep. that kind of stuff yep. so um matt at matt's long run yeah, matt's long run matt's long run it's matt matt's long com too right you have that site or that has changed to matt, okay. speaker. matt long speaker i yeah, made gotcha. more of a personal site yeah cool yeah. man All right, well, thanks so much for talking to me. Thanks for having me, I appreciate it,
0: man. Good to be back in the neighborhood here. Cool. (laughs)
1: Yeah, you're going to go over to 3rd and Long now?
0: I'm going to take a peek at the old 3rd and Long, yeah. The old bar, right? See what's going on. Right
1: around the corner. Cool, man. Thanks. All right, thank you. Peace. Plants. All right, you guys, I think we did it. Check out Matt's book. Follow him online. What an incredible story. If that doesn't inspire you, I don't know what will. Maybe you don't have a heartbeat. He is an extraordinary human being, and that was great. I love that. And hopefully, his experience will help you rethink your excuses for doing less than what you know you can, let alone the part about you that you're not even sure yet that you can do, but which somebody like Matt would probably tell you that you can if you would only accept that in yourself. How's that for a brain teaser? <laughs> Send me your questions for future QA podcasts uh, and to find all the information, education, products, tools, resources, and inspiration you need to take your health, your wellness, your fitness, and your self actualization to the next level. Go to richworld.com, peruse, enjoy. Don't forget to sign up for my newsletter. If you guys like video courses, you're into a little online education then you might enjoy checking out my online courses because I got two of them. The first one is The Ultimate Guide to Plant-Based Nutrition. It's all about dialing up your diet. It's pretty consistent with the message of the new book and also The Art of Living with Purpose, which is about goal setting, which is about understanding what makes you tick, helping you uh, embark on the right trajectory for you. Both of those are available at mindbodygreen.com. Click on Video Courses on their homepage and you can find out more. There. If you are enjoying this podcast, hey man, give us a review on iTunes. It only takes a moment. And if you like it so much, you want to go back and listen to episodes older than the most recent 50, then why not check out our free iOS app in the iTunes App Store? It's totally free and it is the only way to easily access every single episode in the RRP Canon. Support the show by telling a friend, use the Amazon banner ad, and by donating. You can donate. There are donate buttons on the site too. Keep Instagramming. I love the love. Tag me at Rich Roll. I dig that too. Let's close it down with this week's assignment. It's pretty freaking simple. And it goes like this. Stop whining. Stop whining, people. If you take one thing away from Matt and his example, it's that you should stop whining. Seriously. Really. Really. See you next week. Peace. Plants.